God. If you've been with us, we're going through the book Colossians. We're halfway through it right now. The book Colossians, what happens is a guy by the name of Epaphroditus, who was a Christian there, was kind of overseeing what was going on in the church, and things were going great, but they started to have some problems. So Epaphras took a very, very long trip to go see Paul, who was in prison at Rome. Paul's in house at rest, and he comes, and he sits down, with, or Epaphras sits down with Paul, and he says, here's what's going on. A lot of great things, but we got a little bit of a problem. We got some Jews that got saved, and they became Christians. And when they became Christians, what happened to us, after a while, they kind of got bored with it, and they started adding stuff to it. So they wanted to start bringing in some of the Old Testament stuff. They wanted to bring in circumcision. They kept telling people that, you know, there's got to be more to Christianity than just being a Christian. And uh, we got some other people, and they were Greeks, and they came into the church, and uh, they got saved, and, 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 and they were doing good for a while. And then they started bringing in this, this deeper kind of higher thought stuff. And eventually this was going to be uh, come known as a thing called Gnosticism in about 100 years. But this is the early stages of it. And they started teaching things that, that, that saying, look, you know, it's, it's really important that, um, that you, you, you punish the body, so to speak, asceticism, which was the idea that uh, they said the spirit world was good, the material world was bad. So therefore, every time we have an opportunity, let's, let's destroy the material world. So basically, it's kind of like diet people. If it tastes good, you can't eat it. Um, you know, and that's not. But, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of the idea where they started saying, look, you know, you know, if you really want to be spiritual, if you really want to be spiritual, then, you know what, you, you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do that. And, and if you get up in the day, and you're feeling good, then you know what, there's something wrong. Because you shouldn't feel good. You should feel bad. So... They were playing this game, and, and they were coming in with all these kinds of rules and all these things. And Paul writes this book, Colossians, to these people at the church at Colossae and says, okay, let's get some things straight. First of all, all you need is Christ. Be careful with all this other stuff. Keep the focus on Jesus. Keep the focus on Christ. And we've been talking about the idea that Paul, in chapters 1 and 2, talked about this idea that, look, when Jesus died... You died with him. Your sin, all your gunk, died with him. And when Jesus came out of the tomb with a new glorified resurrected body, he did the same thing for you. You have a new resurrected, different kind of life now. You have a new nature you didn't have before. And so <laughs> you need to focus on Christ and, 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 and not get sidetracked with all this other stuff. So we get to chapter 3. In chapters 3 and 4, Paul's going to start getting into some very, very specific things. He's going to talk to them as individuals. He's going to talk to them as families. He's going to talk to them as a church. He's going to talk to them about the gospel. This morning, he, we're going to look at, at this week and next week, we're looking at two things. This week, he's telling them all the things to stop doing. Next week, we're going to talk about all the things they're supposed to be doing. So this morning, Paul kind of jumps in with it and, and lays out some groundwork, and he says, okay, now here's some things you guys are doing. You just need to stop it. Get rid of it. So that's where we're going this morning. So here we go. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Here's what he said. See then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Now this is very important. We're going to come back to this in a, uh, at the end too. For you died. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you'll also appear with him in glory. Paul here, in this, these four verses, talks about the past, present, and future of a believer. Here's what he said. He said, look, you've been raised with Christ. 
You need to understand, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God gave you a new way to live. He did away with that old stuff. He gave you a new way. He gave you a new purpose. He gave you a new direction. He gave you a new reason to live, a new goal, everything else. You were risen with him. Just like he came out of that tomb with a different body in a different way, same way with you. And then he says, he deals with the present. Set your affection, notice what he says, on things above. Set your hearts, and then he talks about set your minds. He deals with both aspects. He deals with the spiritual idea and with the reality, physical idea. He says, look, presently, you know what you've got to do in your life? You've got to stop seeing things from the perspective of this world. You've got to look at things the way God sees things. You have to see things differently. You have to keep your heart and your mind and your affection, your attention on the what God wants you to do. Well, we dealt with this in Sunday school a couple of weeks ago. Most of us, when we're trying to decide something, we ask ourselves, what's the right thing to do? You know, there's a better question. What's the wise thing to do? See, often we look at life and we go, what's the legal thing to do? What's the right thing to do? The best question to ask, what's the wise thing to do? What's the thing that reflects God's wisdom to do? You know, what's, what's the wise thing to do? See, because when you focus on God and, and, and setting your affection and your heart on things above, you tend to try to look at stuff from the way God wants you to see it. Not the way the culture does, not the way the world does, not the way everybody, but the way God wants you to see it. And then he talks about the future where he says, you know, look, when he appears, we're going to appear with him in glory. Paul, Paul hammers in this idea that your life is hid with Christ in God. We're going to come back to that at the end, but keep that in the back of your mind. Here's what he's saying. When you became a believer, and this is, by the way, this is what the book of Ephesians is all about, that you are in Christ, seated in the heavenlies. When you became a believer, here's what God did. He took you and he put you in Christ. So now stop and ask yourself, time out, where's Christ right now? Seated at the right hand of God the Father. A position of power, a position of, pres- uh, a, a, a position of presence. It's the idea that Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You know where God sees you this morning? Not sitting here in Holly Spring. He sees you seated in Christ, in the heavenlies, at the right hand of the throne of God. That's how he sees you, spiritually. You're going, whoa, I don't, I don't get, no, no, no. That's what Paul's arguing here. See, these people wanted to get all this nitty-gritty stuff down here, and Paul went, whoa, no, no, you're seated in Christ. Act that way. Start acting like that. Start thinking like that. Start looking at things that way. And then he goes on. And now he's going to get into the don'ts, all right? And here's what he says. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Paul now lists, in, in, the, in the writings of Paul, there are nine times that Paul has a list of things like this. Okay, um, And you see variations of it. Sometimes there's four, sometimes there's five, sometimes they're, di- they're, they're a little bit different. The first thing he lists is sexual immorality. Okay, You need to know, in nine of his lists, this is in eight of them. Okay, this is a biggie. Here's why. In the culture at this time, I understand you think that American culture is bad. You need to understand. The Bible times, they were doing stuff we haven't even thought of yet. I mean, you think it's bad in America? You did not want to live in Corinth in first century. They did stuff we won't even do in our culture. And sexual immorality was a big one. And Paul says, look, there are things that you need to put to death. 
get rid of. You don't even get near them. And he, he goes through this list. Sexual immorality. Um, that has to do more with the, with the physical side of, uh, of that. He goes on and he says, uh, I get all, I'm, I'm going to read you, I'm going to read you actually the original definition of these words. Impurity, which is uncleanness, or we would say perversions. Lust, that's passions that are out of bounds. Evil desires, mentally unclean, how you think, what you think about, what you focus on. And then, this is unusual, greed, which is idolatry. It's interesting because that's not usually in the list. Idolatry is. It's in four of the nine lists. But it's interesting because he adds that in there because that's in essence what these people were doing. And Paul says, look, what do you do? You get rid of these things. Put them to death. Stay clear of them. And I know what everybody's thinking. You know, we're in a culture which goes, well, you know, I, yeah, sin is sin. Be careful there. Because you need to understand this. Sin is sin in the eyes of God, but not in the consequences. In fact, there are certain sins that are tied to certain consequences that are unique to those sins. As an example, Jesus taught that if you hate your brother, it's the same thing as murder. I have news for you. You come in here and I hate you, it's one thing. You come in here and I murder you, there's two very different consequences. Jesus taught, or, or Paul taught, Paul, Hebrews teaches, the book of Hebrews teaches that um, lest any bitterness springing up in you trouble you and thereby many be defiled. The Bible teaches that the sin of bitterness has a unique consequence. First of all, it will destroy you. And then it will affect every relationship you have. Hebrews teaches that if you become a bitter person, it will destroy you, and then it will start to impact every relationship you have, and you will ultimately find yourself alone because no one will want to be around you. Sexual sin, it's interesting. The Bible teaches that sexual sin is one of the only sins that you commit against your own body. Something happens inside of you that destroys a part of you. When you go down this road, there is something internally that happens in your soul when you go down and get involved in this. So be careful about this. Yes, sin is sin, but the consequences are very, very different. And so for these five things, here's what Paul says. Destroy them. Get rid of them. Get them out of your life. They're, they're going to ruin you. And notice what he says. Because these sins, these incur the wrath of God. And our, these are sins with, which God goes, eh, you know what? I need to pay attention to this because I've got to get this fixed. And anytime you see the wrath of God, God's idea is to bring you back. Not to punish you. God's idea is to bring you back. We're talking about this in Sunday school. That God's idea in the life of Jonah is to bring him back, not to punish him for running away from God. So he, he, goes, into, he goes into this. And then he goes into the next thing, another reason not to do it. Notice the next verse, verse 7. Here's what he's going to say. Uh, because this, uh, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Paul said, look, I don't get it. That's what you used to do. Why would you go back to that? You've been raised in Christ. You, you, you don't need to do that stuff anymore. Get rid of it. Get it out of your life completely. And then notice what he goes on to say. <clears throat> Some of you are sitting here going, uh, first list was no problem. Don't worry, Paul's got you covered. Now, you must rid yourself of all such things as these. 
anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with his practices and you put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of his creator. Paul says, hey, now there's some other stuff you better get rid of as well. And notice what he says. He starts with this idea of anger. By the way, all of these have a tie to our words. It's interesting in, in, in how he deals with that. Anger is literally, it's a calculated insult. Now, let me get really practical here. Think about the way you've spoken to your spouse this week. Has it been an anger? I guess we could just stop there, couldn't we? No, uh, rage. Um, rage. Temper tantrums. You ever watch a little child throw a temper tantrum? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Really? Courtney's never seen that. Wow, I uh, know, um, no, I know. Um, uh, no, I mean, you know what? You watch a little kid throw a temper tantrum, you go, oh, no, I don't do that. Really? Have you ever looked at your spouse and say, well, you know what? Because you did that, I'm not going to do this. You know, I'll teach you. Is it any different? You know, well, it's not that childish. Really? You're kidding yourself. Come on. Notice he keeps going. He goes on slander. Um, that's the idea where you're attacking a person's character. Let me, let me tell you something. Those of you, look, one of the things I teach uh, married couples and, and getting married and, and all that is, is one of the things that we go through is, is, is communication. And in communication, here's one of the key things that I share with people. Always deal with the problem, not the person. And too many times what happens is when we have a problem in our marriage or at work or whatever else, we make it about the person, not about the problem. When you look at your husband and you say, you're lazy because you don't pick up your socks, you have slandered him. You have attacked the person. Okay? You haven't dealt with the problem. The problem is you don't pick up your socks. But when you go, you're lazy, you have now attacked the person. And that when somebody attacks you as a person, what do you do? Walls go up. And all you do, here's what happens. If I attack you and say you're lazy, here's what you do. You think of the one time in your life that you were not. <laughs> and then you discount everything I say after that. Why? Because I've attacked the person, not the problem. Deal with the problem. Slander. That's why Paul says, look, get rid of the slander. It's not going to help you. Notice what he goes on to say. Filthy language. <sighs> Let's park here for a while. I get that some of you are work environments where you, where every, honestly, it would make most sailors blush. I get that. I get that you can't watch many shows on TV anymore without hearing something. I get that. I understand the culture in which we live. I'm not oblivious to it. But if our affections are set on things above, and if our heart is set on things above, you know what the Bible says about our speech? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's not what goes in, it's what comes out. That's what Christ taught. And some of you really need to do a double check on your language. Some of you really need to take a step back and ask yourself, what are you really saying? And we're in a culture, by the way, let me get really practical here. We're in a culture that loves abbreviations. Some of you would never take God's name in vain, but you'll write OMG all the time. 
Some of you will use abbreviations that if you had to spell them out, some of you kids and some of you adults use abbreviations that if you had to spell them out would embarrass the life out of your parents. And if I put them on the screen this morning with their little translation, you would be shocked. And if I said, hey, let me show you what so-and-so posted on their Facebook this week. Boop. You go, you wouldn't do that, would you? Well, let's see. You're putting it on a public deal for everybody to see. What do you think? What's the difference? Filthy language. Paul said, look, you got to get rid of it. If your heart is set on things above, if your life is focused and sourced in Christ, watch it. Be careful here. He goes on. Notice what he says. He says, um, don't lie to each other. What's wrong, honey? Nothing. Oh, wow. I'm surprised, really. I thought something wrong. Nothing's wrong. Are you sure? Yes. Come on. Speak the truth in love. Come on. You, you know, if you're going, okay, 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 you got, you got all of a sudden. I know, Paul's good at this. You know, that's what he's saying. He's saying, look, if we're really going to have our hearts set, seated at the right hand of God, the Father, in Christ, in God, then you know what? We've got to act differently. That's what he's saying. And then he goes on. And by the way, and he talks about, he says, look, you, you've taken all that stuff off. That's buried in the tomb with Christ. You're risen to a new life. Don't be doing it now. Get rid of it. And then he goes on to say this. Hence, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, synecdoche, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. <clears throat> a lot of people like this verse, and they go, see, see, we, we shall just be like one big happy family. That's not what this verse is teaching. You know what this verse is teaching? All these things that listed up here were excuses people were using to be able to do the things that he had just told them not to do. See, there were people who were going in this and saying, you know what, you don't understand. Because of my race, that's just the way it is. I mean, I'm a Greek. Greeks just do that stuff. Or I'm a Jew. We just, Jews just do that stuff. Here's the way we say it today. Oh, you don't understand. I'm Irish. <laughs> I'm allowed to have a hot temper. All Irish people have hot tempers. We do the same thing. You know, we try to excuse those behaviors by looking at our, at our race, our, our backgrounds. He goes on to say, um, circumcised, we use religion to go, oh, we don't understand. I was just raised this way. So we were just, we were just taught in our religion this was okay. No. These next two, Barbarian and Synecdian, <clears throat> this, these are amazing. These are people who are going, well, you don't understand it. I mean, we're barbarians. We, we live by hating people. Those Though that, that group right there, the Synecdian, those people were so brutal, they would go into entire villages and wipe them out for no reason at all. Not even to conquer them, just to wipe them out because they existed. And there people, those kind of people were going, you know, well, we, you know, we don't understand. You know, my dad was always angry, so I should be able to be angry. I was just raised being that way. We were just raised hurting people. Yeah, that's just the way I am. It's my personality. Just live with it. Slave or free. Well, you don't understand my boss. If you understand my boss, you'd know why I swear. Paul said, Christ is all in all. You're not any one of those. You're a Christian. Act like it. Act like it. That's what he's saying. 
And you do that by setting your heart, setting your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. So a couple of takeaways and then we're done. Um, here we go. Um, you and I live in two worlds. <clears throat> we live in a spiritual world where God sees us seated, seated at the right hand of the throne of God in Christ. And yet we live in a physical world in which it's flesh and blood. And it gets tough. And it gets hard. I get that. I'm not minimizing that. But what you've got to understand is we have a world that's watching how we live. They're listening to our words. They're watching our life. Um, I'm going to try to illustrate it this way, so you got to bear with me. Um, I brought up three kinds of flashlights, okay? This is a flashlight from my dad. My dad was a truck driver for Texaco, worked his all the way up to as an executive. Often he would be called up for strike duty. What that meant is they would go into areas and they would have to drive trucks where people were on strike. So the, the people didn't like him from the company and, the, and, and everybody else. My dad actually did strike duty during the Detroit uh, riots, race riots, okay? The one thing my dad had was, my dad had two things. One, he had a belly club that he had as an MP in Germany that he had drilled down the middle and filled with lead. <coughs> and he had one of these. This is one of the mag lights. It's got like, I don't know, 100 batteries in it, those big batteries in it. thing weighs a ton, Okay. I guarantee you, if I hit you in the head with this, I would kill you. I hit you in the temple with this thing, I will kill you. This should be listed as a lethal, deadly weapon. These things are nasty, okay? But its purpose is, guess what? It's a flashlight. That's what it's for. And often they'd have to inspect trucks or whatever else at night and that kind of thing. So he carried this, and just in case somebody snuck up on him, they were going to regret it, okay? This is a flashlight that I got, was given to me when we went hog hunting at night. Okay, uh, this is a surefire light. This thing is like, it's like the flashlight of all flashlights. It's got like a Xeon light in it. It's got lithium batteries in it. I'm telling you, this is one powerful puppy, okay? Uh, we went hog hunting at night with no guns. We had this and a knife, and we weren't allowed to carry the knife. Somebody else carried the knife for it. <clears throat> Don't ask. It was wild. But anyway, um, it has the same purpose. It's got a light on it, okay? Then... I just found, I forgot about this. This is one that we have back in the sound room because often we have to climb behind something and see something, and, and there it is. It gives us a little bit of light so we can see something and be able to hook up a wire, okay? Now, look, here's the thing. <laughs> some of you, some of you are like this. You're in a position where if everybody notices you, I mean, you're in a position where, you know what? I mean, if I come walking into church with this, there's, everybody's going to know I got this because it's big, it's obnoxious, it's serious, okay? It's not something you can hide easily. And some of you are in positions like this. When you walk into a room, everybody knows who you are, everybody knows, you, you can't hide, and everybody's looking at you because they have certain expectations of you. As a pastor, I get this all the time, okay? It's kind of like, you know, I, believe me, I would much rather... I almost lost it. I would much rather be this than this, but I'm in a position, I'm in a, in a world in which this is me, okay? This is, I, I, you know, I, I, Friday night, I went to a movie on Friday after, at, at the end of the day, my wife and I went to a movie. What did we see? Woodlawn, good movie. You need to go see it. Anyway, um, so we went to see it. Um, <clears throat> so we went to see the movie, and so anyway, we're, um, we're, we, we went... And, and a guy says, oh, hey, Pastor Jim. And next thing you know, we're having like a five, ten-minute conversation. And I'm going, who is that? <laughs> I don't know. 
And so Jean was like, why didn't you introduce me? I go, because I don't know who it is. And so, um, so she introduced herself, and then I said, who is it? And she told me, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, um, because that's, that's the world that I'm in, okay? Some of you, you're in a world like this where once in a while you're put into a position where, you know what, you kind of, people kind of notice you. I mean, you know, because it's that kind of thing where, where you get known. And some of you, you're like this, okay? Where it's like, you know, I just don't have that much influence. I don't have, here's the point. The point is when these do what they're supposed to do for what they're intended to do, they're effective. It doesn't matter because I got news for you. If I try to go back into the sound room and use this, there are places this is hard to get into. And there are times that this becomes incredibly, oh yeah, go get my granddaughter. Um, is she making noise? Oh, she doesn't want to give her up, see? Um, <laughs> I've only held her like twice or three times so far. Um, but okay, go make noise. No, uh, no. Okay, so this is the thing. Some of you, you're like this. Some of you, you're like this. Some of you are like this. And God has each one of you. Let me tell you something. If you were working the Detroit riots, race riots, back in the 60s, you did not want this. You did not want to be walking up and going, watch it, I've got my flashlight. Um, <laughs> you know, they each have a different purpose. And look, but here's the thing. Do you care what kind of battery is in this? Do you care what kind of bulb is in this? All you want it to do is work, right? See, the world doesn't understand whether we're powered by a bunch of D batteries or a bunch of lithium batteries or some button battery. It doesn't care. All it sees is the light. That's it. It, only time it pays attention to this is because it's big and obnoxious. I could carry these two in my pocket all day long, and you wouldn't even know they're there. But if it gets dark, or if we get into a situation, and I pull these out, you're going to be really glad I've got this. Look, <clears throat> Paul says, you are hidden in Christ and God. That's the source of your power. The world doesn't see that. All they see is the light. All they see is the effectiveness of what it is, the vessel that it's put into. And some of you have not connected to God like you need to connect with. You've not set your heart on things above. You've not set your affection on things above. You're not focused on your mind on, the, on, on what God wants you to do. And you're not as effective as God wants you to be. And what Paul says is, get rid of those things so that you can be the light that you need to be, so that the world can see Christ in you, the hope of glory, as he said in chapter 1. Second idea that Paul is talking about here is this idea of look. Um, You've got to decide what you're going to set your heart on this week. You get up every day, you've got a choice. You do it your way or God's way. I'm just going to give you a little insight. I've been doing this for a while. In my life, here's what I've learned. When I do it my way, it doesn't end well. When I do it God's way, I'm surprised at how well it works. 
And I would just challenge you to step back and you go, well, you don't understand. The world says, I, I know what the world says. But I walked away from that because I wanted a life in Christ. Because honestly, when I look at the world, they really don't have anything I want. Because I've found that in my life, in Christ, there is a peace that the world does not understand. That I can go to the funeral of a close friend, and I could sorrow, but not like the people sitting around me who had no clue what was going on. And all they could see was that it was sad. I can have hope in hopeless situations. I can have joy in spite of my circumstances because of Christ. And a lot of that comes down to focusing on what God wants me to focus on. And for some of you, you just need to get rid of some stuff. I'm at that unique stage in life right now where over the course of my lifetime, I've accumulated a lot of stuff. And I'm at the point where in my life I'm starting to realize that less is more. And I'm starting to give stuff away and haul stuff off and throw stuff away. And I went through my garden shed yesterday and my, I looked at my wife and I went, are we going to ever use this again? Oh, I don't know. Up, oh, then it's gone. If we can't think of a use for it, it's out of here. And what I'm finding is, as I do that in my life, you know what I find? I find there's a freedom. And I find that uh, there's an order and there's a peace and there's a calm that kind of comes with not being focused on so much stuff. And for me, I think it's the same thing in our spiritual lives. I think there's a lot of stuff that we do we just need to get rid of. It's not that it's bad. It's not that there's anything wrong with it. But the reality of it is, it doesn't help us. It's just not helping us. And I just challenge you to step back and look at your own life and go, Look at some of those lists that he talked about. There might be some things you need to put to death. There might be some things you need to get rid of. But for all of us, if we're going to focus on what God wants us to focus on, then that's what we will do this week. So I end it with this. God has called us to a better way to live. He wants our focus to be on Christ and the things he represents. There are certain things and attitudes we must change because they don't reflect the life God intended us to live. May our focus be on Christ in all that we say and in all that we do this week. And may the world see the light of Christ in us. Let's pray. Lord, help us.